Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Ruth. It's a beautiful day here in Chicago. How are things in New York? Little cloudy, Cindy, but really excited to talk with you today. Me too. So I want to tell you, you know that I teach at West Virginia University as an adjunct. And as such, I've had the opportunity to meet some really interesting academics and educators at the university. And I had uh, the opportunity to meet David Smith. And um, he's a teaching assistant professor at WVU in Reed College of Media. But what he teaches is multimedia storytelling, Hmm. specifically in augmented and virtual reality to students across all different majors. And I was just really intrigued by it. And I thought, why don't we ask David to come and join us? In particular, he talks about mixed reality. Mm, Mixed reality. What's that? Well, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that it covers everything under as like an umbrella term, everything from augmented reality to virtual reality and everything in between. Cool. Well, let's get him in here. Yeah. So let's chat with David. Hello, David. Um, It's a pleasure to invite you onto our podcast from beautiful downtown Morgantown, West Virginia, home of WVU Reed College of Media. Thanks for joining us today. How are you? Doing great, Cindy. Uh, Great to to be on here with you and Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Hi, David. Thanks for joining us. We had said on our podcast series, Ruth and I, that we wanted to explore marketing horizons, what's happening that's cool and interesting, and have cool and interesting guests with us. So uh, thanks for being one of our uh, thought-provoking guests today. Indeed. And can we start, David, you know, so what is mixed reality? Um, Ruth asked me, and I think... It's somewhere along the spectrum between physical to digital and virtual. Did we get that right, David? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's accurate. You know, you can think of mixed reality as like a term that includes everything from augmented reality, virtual reality. On one end, you've got the brain computer interface, you know, with like plugging into the matrix. And on the other end, you've got reality, right? And in between, um, there's different levels of digital information overlaid uh, onto the environment. It's probably helpful to think about it um, through, you know, your user experience, you know, maybe using your phone, right? So augmented reality um, includes everything from from headset-based reality, like Microsoft HoloLens and glasses that you would wear, to phone-based AR um, on Snapchat and Instagram, you know, filters on Snapchat and Instagram, TikTok, uh, that kind of thing. VR, you know, is a little bit further down that spectrum towards uh, more immersion. So you would put on a VR headset. Yeah, those things, right. Which everyone (laughs) has uh, either had a great experience or a bad experience with. Um, But yeah, that's, and that's more, more immersive than AR. And, you know, altogether, it's, it's more about moving from, um, you know, our traditional 
2D screen-based experiences to more spatial 3D interactive experiences that take advantage of the world around us to overlay information um, that you would interact with, right? Um, and I think that, you know, looking at it from the perspective of, of uh, brands, um, what people are most familiar with is phone-based AR right now. That's what people are using on, on social media, on uh, apps, and even web-based augmented reality. Um, you know, so, face filters, I'm sure everybody's used that, right? That's a good example. Right, right. Everybody from any age is using filters. <laughs> but what's the marketing benefit to brands and companies f with this stuff? Can you describe some of the applications? Yeah, sure. So the great thing about interacting with or using, you know, AR on a phone is that, you know, it's, it's more about personalization of experiences. Um, if you're, if you're using, uh, if you're using a, an effect produced by a brand on Snapchat or Instagram, you're, um, you're making it your own. You're using what they've created mm -hmm. to, you know, add your personal expression to it. And it also encourages, you know, by, by, um, interacting with things through through phone-based AR, it encourages more sharing and virality to things, you know, where, you know, if you're if you're creating something on your own, you're gonna wanna share it with everyone else, right? right? Um, and, you know, there, there are applications, you know, everything from, um, you know, simulating experience, simulating shopping experiences or trying on clothes, changing your appearance in some way, you know, where, whether it's like, um, you know, shoes, clothes, um, makeup. I know Sephora and other makeup brands have created, you know, makeup effects for Instagram and Snapchat that people can try on different, you know, lipstick colors or uh, makeup colors and, um, you know, wearing different kinds of glasses. I know Warby Parker has created an app that uses that. Um, there are a lot of other examples, um, including like if you go to your Target app, I was just doing this the other day. I was looking for some new Adirondack chairs for, you know, it's that season, right? We're looking to spring. Yeah. Um, I started, I pulled up with the Target app and I, I pulled up uh, the chair that I wanted. And there was an example where there's a button to click and you can view it in AR and you can put it in your yard, right? Oh, and that, cool. that's great, you know, viewing objects in space. Uh, Ikea was one of the first brands that that started on on that. But since then, it's kind of standard in a lot of apps that that sell furniture. Well, what's interesting is if you look at um, so many people are buying homes today and with the pandemic, we've seen that there's a great interest in moving because you now can either from a lifestyle standpoint, re-examine what it is that's important to you. Maybe you want to live somewhere else or because we're all working much more remotely, um, there's a greater uh, acceptance by our employers, right? So a lot of people are looking to move. And I've seen some very surprising stats about the number of people who are buying homes sight unseen who haven't even walked through the house, haven't even gone to the location. Right. And this virtual reality. I don't know if you call it that, David, but you go to Zillow, you can go look at the home. You can literally do the 3D walk through it, 360 degree. I can walk through my house. And then they even have overlaid on them these planners where I can put my furniture in the rooms and I can decide whether or not my current furniture will fit so think about how cool this is that has enabled us as consumers 
to A, make a massively large capital expenditure, complex purchase like a home, then map out how you would want to lay it out, then go to Ikea, like you referenced, David, buy some furniture or anywhere else, lay it out and do an entire acquisition. And I did it all remotely and virtually. Yeah, that's really neat. And I also wonder if David has some ideas about where the technology might be evolving to. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, adding, it, it, it really is about what you can provide to customers, not, you know, going beyond, you know, gimmicky uh, examples like um, maybe a holographic concert that you could view in AR or VR and moving towards things that, um, that are more practical. But I mean, I think that um, moving beyond just phone-based AR, I think eventually, you know, what companies like Apple, Samsung, and Snap are looking at is um, headset-based AR, where it would be more ubiquitous and and in your in your face and on your face uh, all day long. So the idea that people would would wear headsets. Now, um, I'm kind of skeptical about whether people would would wear AR headsets uh, all day long and how they would overlay uh, information. Yeah, and um, and there's a lot of Google, privacy issues there. And but, Google but yeah, Glass that's, that's wasn't, where, Google Glass didn't work out. Yeah, Google Glass didn't. didn't work out. I think it was, I think it was, a, there were a few reasons I don't think people were ready for it. Um, so I don't know, but um, but there's a lot of research going, going into that. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, companies like Snap, companies like Apple have uh, poured a lot of research into the ecosystem. And uh, when it comes to, you know, developing, uh, you know, communities of creators and freelancers that are de developing AR um, and the hardware. Uh, I think this, it's, it's probably gonna, it's going to be there. It's just a matter of like whether people will use those um, and actually wear headsets on their heads. It's, it's about user experience, I guess. Right. Yeah, so what do you think is practical now when you say wearing them on your head? I guess, you know, that Google Glass was rather disastrous as a launch. It didn't really take off. But at the same time, I kind of hearken back to QR codes. Being <laughs> a marketer, I can't, <laughs> you know, kind of a false start, right? You know, they were so poorly conceived by us as marketers and the technology was really early. So my point of view on it, you know, we're finally coming into their own now. Yeah. So the why do you think that happened? Hmm. They came into why their did own. QR comes? I'm all for QR codes coming back. I like, I think QR codes are great, but um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of similar to what happened with, with VR in the, in the early days. I mean, I just, and Google Glass, too, is an example of it. I feel like um, there was a lot of hype in the mid-2010s around, around VR. Um, and the user experience wasn't great. You had to put right. on this headset that was, you know, tethered to a computer. And, um, and, and it kind of gave people some motion sickness because the technology wasn't necessarily there. But then you see... You know, if you're thinking of the, you know, the hype cycle, the Gartner hype cycle, right? It's it's kind of VR has gone down into the trough and it's coming back up to like what's practical, right? So what's the practical use for VR? Well, right now it's it's a lot of training, um, uh, education, 
even fine arts installation based stuff. So it's found practical applications. And I think similar to that, um, mobile AR is kind of, and augmented reality in general is kind of finding practical applications. Like we mentioned a few. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's just a matter of like, you know, getting past the hype and coming back to, to what's practical. Right, and that's probably going to be the same development curve that many fresh new technologies take where it's a, a push-pull between what consumers find useful and what they find comfortable. Right, it's, it's um, is there something there for users that will either draw them in uh, to use it that's and and get over the that friction of you know david we have entered into an interesting time uh, with the blurred lines of uh, privacy and consent and uh, we, we know that there are multiple privacy acts and legislation that are uh, in Congress, both in both houses, and uh, there is a lot of momentum around a national privacy policy. Um, many of us are becoming, as consumers, are becoming more sensitive to what's being collected, what's not being collected. And, you know, we're sitting here now with this, you know, enormous amount of biometric data that's being collected about us. And then there's design concerns about it. Um, as we look out to the future, what are your thoughts about how privacy and all this data is going to take us forward for mixed reality? Do you got some thoughts on that? Well, anytime, you know, there's a lot already a lot of distrust for good reason of large corporations like, you know, that collect a lot of data. Um, and then if you think about putting a wearable on your face that is maybe created by one of these companies or, um, you know, it, it collects data that's, you know, not only, you know, your own movements, but like it has cameras built in and you're over there, we're overlaying uh, information onto your view if you're wearing glasses. Um, there's a lot of concerns about um, who's collecting that data, uh, who owns it, whether you know, individuals own their own information, their own data, and to what extent you can opt out. Uh, especially if, if you're, even if you're not wearing it, if you're in the view of one of these uh, a headset, uh, a mixed reality headset. So yeah, I mean, between um, not only the data ownership, but also from a user experience, how much intrusion um, do the users expect into their, um, into their view? And, you know, if you're wearing a headset, there's, um, there's actually one of my favorite dystopian versions of this is called hyper reality, but it's basically shows um, a lot of data overlaid onto someone's everyday life as they're walking through, they're wearing a headset and they're seeing like ads thrown in their face from every direction, right? Um, so that's something that any brand or advertiser who wants to you know create or work in mixed reality, augmented reality has to not only keep in mind how much data is being collected and whether users are opting in, but also um, what the experience is like. You know, it needs to be something that's a little more elegant, that's not as intrusive and um, doesn't take away from people's experiences with reality. <laughs> uh, not not um, altered or, you know, diminished reality. Um, you know, you wanna, you wanna be able to add value to, to what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. 
I love it. Augmented reality, not diminished reality. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's that's what people are are that's that's some of the biggest concerns with um, with this is is making sure that that it's that's enhancing pe- what enhancing what we're able to experience and making our lives richer rather than taking away from it. Which is the key to consumer acceptance in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're talking about um, who we're going to be the adopters um, of this, it's. It's going to be um, people who are comfortable with with uh, with the technology, and uh, that's just another hurdle that has to be overcome. And people who find it of real benefit, like to me, that lipstick, trying on lipstick without actually having to put it on, and then take it off with that horrible astringent, <laughs> and put another one on in the store. I could say that's a real advantage. Yeah, what kind of what kind of what can you give to consumers that's useful? Um, and then from you know from from a storytelling or artistic perspective, I'm excited about um, how th- how we can allow for people to you know in you know express themselves using augmented and virtual reality. So beyond just um, you know interacting with with what brands have created, but taking it and making it your own and expression. So personal expression. Yeah, we'll have to get Library of Congress to include a section of materials that are augmented and enhanced by this technology. And we need to add them to awards. Think about if we start having some really good contests and awards amongst marketers and advertisers and even amongst the technology. A new category, exactly. Yeah, awards are definitely incentives for for brands <laughs> to enter into the, the space. You know, early on, you mentioned about um, experience and how we want to, we as consumers want to experience things. And, um, you know, we know that we're moving more and more into um, a, 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 a more active and engaged environment. We don't want to be passive bystanders anymore as consumers. Everything is active. We want to um, uh, be involved with our brands, right? We want to. So let's think about where this could evolve into, right? We as consumers want to be part of sharing our experiences with each other. Look where I was when I had my bottle of Coke. Look where I was, where I'm wearing certain products and and brands and how we share them with each other. Now, how could we take this mixed reality into a, um, I'm creating the brand with you in this environment? Um, I'm not sure where that thought's going to go, but I was just kind of wondering because we just will no longer go back to sitting passively and watching it happen. It's going to be our experience, right? We want the adventure of one. How does mixed reality give me an experience one with my brand, my favorite brand? Well, I mean, I think it's a a lot of, um, you know, the trend, it seems to me, is, is giving a little bit more control to the, the user and to your audience um, to personalize that. And that, that, you know, even if it's not like a carefully curated, um, perfectly presented, um, ad, 
that someone is is creating from something that you've put out there you know whether it's like a you know sephora makeup effect or uh you know a gucci shoe try on effect or whatever they're making it the you know they're using it in their own way so it's personalized um so yeah i think that's that's probably key to this to the whole um idea of creating anything in in uh augmented and virtual reality or augmented and, and and mixed reality um is that you're 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 giving a lot of that experience or giving a lot of that control to the to the user to kind of become an ambassador for your brand in a lot of ways i also could see some new product development benefits here for brands that as consumers are invited to add their own features or come up with applications that the producer had never even thought of before that provides additional creative insight to developing new products or new features that will find success in the marketplace. Yeah, allowing, yeah, allowing them to, um, to remix it will give you, uh, give the brand, you know, new ideas. Exactly. So I think where you're going with that, yeah. So David, thank you so much for visiting with us today and sharing your thoughts on um, augmented reality, virtual reality, and this new mixed reality and helping us wrap our, our heads around this uh, um, this new idea and thinking about where this could take us. And Ruth and I are going to chat a little bit behind your back about what <laughs> we think this means, if you don't mind. And uh, and thank you for spending thank you some time. so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was really fun. Thanks. All right. Bye. 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 Cindy, that was such an interesting discussion with Dave Smith. What a guy. I I learned so much and I was so interested in the potential of these new technologies. It really overcame some of my hesitation based on my personal experience with those heavy, ungainly virtual reality headsets and I don't know if I mentioned to you, Cindy, that just down a couple blocks away from me on 34th Street, there's one of those VR emporiums where you can pay 40 bucks and spend a couple of hours with one of those things on your head and just thought, <laughs> ooh, what, what is the point? But now we have the makings of some really interesting marketing horizons with, with this stuff, right? Yes, I really think so. I am a little concerned, as I always have been, about whether or not um, this is going to get accepted. Like, would you wear one of them? What do you think? Is this something that you would put on your head? You know, you he mentioned about the um, phone application that it had started out with the social media, and it might start migrating more to these devices. What do you think? Would you ever use it? Well, doesn't it depend on the value? Like, is it making my life better? Is it, there's there convenience there? Is there some social benefit? And also the, the comfort and convenience of it, 
he was talking about possible wear-it-all day uh, devices that are comfortable enough to just integrate into your entire waking hours. <laughs> I mean, if, if that came about and it did something helpful for me, I, I could see it. I mean, t 10 years ago, 20 years ago, did we ever think we would be walking around with little handheld computers in our hip pockets all day? <laughs> Right. Less than a foot away from you at all times, right? Yeah. That's what they say. It's less than a foot away from us at all times is our device. But, you know, there's the skeptic in me. Um, maybe I've been around you and I've been around data for such a long time. Right. That I get really worried about just because we can, should we, when it comes to collecting all that data. And now think about it, what David was saying you know, it can record everything. We're talking about, you know, the internet of things that knows where you are spatially at any moment in times. It can follow your eye movement. It can pick up anybody who's in the same area as you. I remember when people started tagging me in Facebook, I got a little nervous about, do I really want people to be able to know where I was? And certainly we know people got in trouble at, you know, college dorm parties for underage <laughs> drinking and doing things they shouldn't have getting tagged in pictures. But let's take that to the ultimate extent to where this could go. We're okay to give up our privacy for convenience, which works to our advantage for relevancy. But if I start finding out that anyone who may have these innocuous devices that look like glasses is capturing me in every moment, or if my moment of where I am is captured all the time, what does that do for data privacy and governance? Or, or am I really comfortable with it? Yes, only time will tell. I think the societal acceptance is is what's going to be the the ultimate source of a decision on this the same way that all of the cool marketing ideas that we can come up with and have over decades as as marketing professionals has to be acceptable by society or or we get shut down of course there are some concerns that we have to keep in mind but there were also lots of positives there and i'm pretty excited about some of the marketing applications, for example. So let's maybe at this point, draw some conclusions about what we learned from Dave Smith. And Cindy, I know you have this wonderful sermon to give to us about the importance of a certain number of takeaways. So over to you. Yes, you know, it would not be a good marketing conversation if we didn't invoke the rule of threes and leave our audience with three important takeaways. And what we know uh, from our research, and just to remind everybody, is the rule of threes that says it is the lowest number that creates a pattern in our brain. And because of that, is the most memorable for us to use for comprehension. So, Let's start with our first of our three takeaways from our conversation with David Smith at WVU today. Um, Ruth, why don't you kick us off with some of the marketing applications? Yes, and in fact, Cindy, maybe we should call these our three little pigs. Of, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? And the first one that comes to my mind is the takeaway or the little pig 
that the marketing applications of mixed reality seem to range from the, at one end, the application of enhancing the purchase decision, like trying on lipstick or shoes or determining whether your furniture will fit in the, the, a certain space. On the one hand, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which would be some of the gimmicks that people are really creatively coming up with as ways to engage with the brand, personalize the experience, share, and otherwise get involved with a, with a product or, or a solution. So the marketing applications seem to be pretty rich. I would agree with you, they do. And uh, as long as we can manage through the second one, which I'll put out there, um, that doesn't blow the house down, um, is making it too cumbersome for people in the wearability of the devices. And similar to the experience us marketers had early on with QR codes, where we made the customer experience uh, kludgy, right? We didn't have the uh, devices for the, the QR code readers down, and we sent them to a very uh, poor user experience on, on the websites. If, if we do a good job in the way we use it as a marketer and uh, technology adapts where it is um, easy to use and the price point is uh, within our reach, then these marketing applications can explode beyond right. where our thoughts are today into that horizon. Yes, and speaking of the horizons, we learned from Dave Smith, and this might be our third little pig, that this uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality seems to be evolving from its existence today as phone-based, mostly camera forward phone applications to in the next iteration, which is likely to be some kind of headset-based augmented reality that we'll be able to wear all day, presumably comfortably. <laughs> and there may be other marketing applications coming with such devices in the future. So something to consider and look forward to. I agree. And we should not be intimidated just like the three little pigs. We're not intimidated by the big bad wolf. The horizon looks bright. So we should venture out and explore more next time together, Ruth. And Indeed, Cindy, this has really been eye-opening. And I, I was so happy to meet Dave Smith and learn about this stuff. And can't wait to see where it goes next. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates. 